A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. So many of you listening to this podcast will have seen the scenes of chaos in Dublin City Centre last night. Rioting, buses on fire, Garda cars on fire, Lewis on fire and uh, overall violence in the capital city. We're going to begin with you, Richard, because you were in the city centre witnessing this firsthand. Yeah, Zara, um, after what happened on Parnell Square East outside uh, Gwaelskull, Kalosh Devura, where three kids were stabbed, uh, along with uh, an after-school worker who protected those kids, um, there was very, we were very quickly on the scene, myself and, and, and a couple of our camera crews from Virgin Media, and already by the time we'd arrived, there was a gathering of people who would be recognisable if people had been focusing on the far right over the last number of months and possibly years now at this point. Uh, they were shouting abuse at Gardaí, they were shouting abuse at journalists and politicians like Mary Lou MacDonald, uh, who, which this obviously was in her constituency, who'd come down um, to respond to this. Now, as the afternoon wore on from about, I'd say, half three onwards and half five, it started already to look quite hairy. Um, there was a gathering down at the O'Connell Street end of Parnell Square East and they were pushing and shoving and they effectively broke the Garda line. The Garda line around, which was effectively the cordon of the crime scene, the stabbing, they broke through that, which is something I've never seen. I've never seen anybody attempt to do that before. Um, and at that point, some public order units uh, went down in what was, you know, that that what they describe as soft cap mode. You know, they've the soft soft peak caps. They've no, you know, shields with them or heavy heavy gear. They went down to try and stop that. Now online, there was a big gathering, or there was an organisation calling more people uh, to try and uh, bring them down to protest. It was very much anti-immigrant, far right elements and organisers were were pushing all of this. And um, what happened, I think, from the hours of about half past five through until nine o'clock in Dublin is something I've never witnessed. I'm still kind of processing it, to be honest, everything that sort of happened over over those hours once darkness set in in Dublin. I mean, it's really one of these things, Richard, that began as in itself a very tragic situation for particularly the families of the children at the centre of that stabbing but it really changed in in the couple of hours, you say, throughout the night. Gavin, there's been huge political reaction to this. What have we been hearing? Um, almost universal condemnation as of course you'd expect um, but in a way I suppose that of course the, the incident uh, at Parnell Square and that awful crime such as it was um, and then the fallout have become two very different things I mean it, it was a very such a quickly evolving situation last night that Helen McEntee was almost being made available for, for TV clips every two or three hours because first of all you'd be responding to um, the stabbing of three children in, in an awful mm. open air incident but then immediately of course you're talking about a gross disturbance of public order and then of course the, the full full on rioting that emerged last night. Um, one thing which has kind of crystallised as, as a public talking point in the aftermath of all of this is how much last night's events uh, could have been or ought to have been foreseen. Um, that's obviously not a very easy question to answer because some of what we saw last night was obviously just 
opportunistic people uh, piling in on a riot, opportunistic looting, which, which doesn't really have any political sentiment or coherence behind it. Um, but a bigger question, of course, is is whether the guards should have foreseen that there might have been um, a, a display of uh, anti-immigrant sentiment like what we saw that kicked off uh, those scenes last night that Richard was talking about, the, the, the groups that began to gather from about half three onwards. Um, a certain amount of that was definitely and obviously should have been foreseeable because the same um, far-right and anti-immigration activists who organised uh, through the social messaging app Telegram, um, which is something the guards watch because, you know, for example, the, the debate, uh, the uh, protest that happened outside Leinster House on the first day back after the recess in mid-September, people remember that was the day where there was a, a, a hangman's gallows um, hung outside Leinster House. That was organised at only a few hours' notice on Telegram, but Guardian knew it was coming and were able to react accordingly on the day to put up barriers. So Guardi do watch uh, th- those channels and they do keep an eye on how these people propose to organise. But they didn't seem at all prepared for the scale or the particular <clears throat> venom of what we did see. And I think that's going to be an open question in the coming days as to whether it ought to have been foreseen, uh, particularly uh, given some of the anti-immigrant sentiment that we've seen in the last couple of weeks following the sentencing of Josef Pushka. I think it's the point that Richard made earlier as well about how quickly the thing, the situation escalated in a sense that, you know, we had been at Mountjoy Garda Station for the news at 5.30 and there was a, a quick press conference in relation to the stabbing. And, you know, that was very much the centre of the of the press conference at that time. And within just over an hour at seven o'clock, the Garda Commissioner was coming out to speak live on the news at seven and to take questions mainly in relation to what was unfolding in Parnell Square. And at that time, you know, Drew Harris was saying, you know, condemning it, obviously, and saying we're seeing a completely lunatic hooligan fraction driven by far right ideology. And he talked about how they were drafting in resources and not just from all over Dublin City, but the wider regions, you know, the commuter regions around Dublin. There was, uh, you know, guards being called in from all angles and you could see if you drove through the city last night, it was just sirens. No matter where you were around Dublin, you could just see, you know, guarded vehicles running towards the city centre. I mean, Richard, at what point did you think, you know, this has really gotten out of hand? Yeah, I think it was kind of around the second half of the 5.30 news, because at that mm-hmm. point we were we were at the top uh, the Garden of Remembrance end of Parnell Square. And we were looking down at the line after they tried to break it. And you started to see heavier riot police go in there. Uh, there was stuff being set on fire at this point in time. And I think it's probably the best, the best way I can, I can tell the story of last night is probably chronologically from there. Mm. Um, so Garda Car was set on fire around the corner there at sort of, I think it's the Gate Hotel, uh, around just basically in front of Neary's there on Parnell Street. There was other stuff set on fire. I think it was bins and whatnot. Uh, but the Garda Shields, the heavy shields, which were, which were taken out to try and sort of you know, protect the Garda crime scene effectively, which just seems like a mad thing to say. Um, yeah. They were all getting battered by the lads who were there. Um, so the Garda then, I think, decided to try and push them away from the crime scene. But the problem is that when you push them away from the crime scene on Parnell Square, you are on O'Connell Street. Um, you are on O'Connell Street, and that is the main street of the city. Um, and oh. it was at that point that things were really, really just took off I left my news crew after the news at 7 um, and I basically just left my gear behind I didn't want to be identified as a journalist it would have been very obvious if I was going with my um, like camera crew or microphone and all that sort of stuff so we took a few back lanes ended up on Henry Street uh, already there there was a couple of shop windows smashed uh, but I turned right onto O'Connell Street just beside the GPO and I was met with the sight of this raging inferno which was a double decker bus 
on fire and you know the statue of Daniel O'Connell was sort of silhouetted against it the Garda helicopter was overhead the spotlight was was down you could see the spotlight like shining and illuminating bits of O'Connell Street there was not a single guard visible uh, on O'Connell Street because there were none there uh, and there was different gangs smaller collectives of young lads on bikes wearing balaclavas masked up hooded up um, firing fireworks they'd set the Lewis tram on fire then as well a couple of buses were then in, in, set on fire I saw them taken basically at, at, at that point the bus which was set on fire at the top of O'Connell Street at the Keys started to explode because of I think it was batteries probably because I think it was an electric bus and that's just caused huge loud bangs and any ordinary people on the street just started running in panic and it was genuinely like like witnessing almost a terror attack or a natural natural disaster people were running in fear they didn't know what was happening stampeding effectively down O'Connell Street while lads were just running riot on the street they were smashing up the storefronts shoe footlocker uh, they went into Arnott's and I've never seen anything. It was, I, I, I'm genuinely like, I was shook at the time seeing what had happened to Dublin. Um, I think anybody who was there would feel the same. I like, it's it's insane. The amount of lads who are just shouting abuse over the course of the evening, we got loads of a stick for being journalists and liars and traitors. So did the guards. But I think things started to calm down then around nine o'clock once Gardy did move in in separate groups to try and disperse people. Um, but it is... There's no comparison to what we saw in Dublin last night. There's no reachable comparison in the Republic of Ireland for what we saw. Can I ask the two of you a question actually at this point? Uh, sorry, I don't mean to, to interrupt, but like the, the, when you talked about, Richard, you mentioned that how it, for a while it had the um, the air of a terrorist incident. Of course, we're, we're talking about the riots last night rather than what happened at Parnell Square. Both of you were were at various uh, press events yesterday involving the guards, you know, original briefings about the stabbing itself and then ultimately about what was going on in the public order in the city centre. What did you make of the manner in which the guards communicated all of this? Because, Zara, you know, you and I were talking last night that there, there seemed to be some some slight wooliness about what the guards were and weren't prepared to say. And at times it almost seemed like they were contradicting what yeah. they'd been prepared to say earlier. Like it was, I would say it was slightly confusing in a sense that earlier in the day when we had been, you know, getting sort of updates from the guards, they had ruled out terrorism in relation to that first incident in relation to the stabbing. And then when Drew Harris was out on the news at seven, we, you know, we ran the full piece with him live on the news at seven. And I asked him, you know, about, he, he you know, were you ruling out terrorism? And he said, no, we've ruled out nothing. So there seemed to have been a bit of a miscommunication in terms of earlier in the day they were ruling it out. Then he was saying they're ruling out nothing. So I think, you know, there was a little bit maybe of a, a mix in terms of what they were saying it wasn't totally clear but I like I do think in so many ways the guards were really trying to kind of operate on the hop there last night I really felt that like it there was an urgency and a scramble about it for sure um and I mean it does sort of raise questions about preparedness for sure I mean Gavin I just wanted to ask you as well in relation to because people will look at you know if we see there you know even just the damage done to we'll talk about guard vehicles and like this is let alone the damage it did to people and we'll get on to that in a moment because I know there are a lot of people um, living in Dublin who are too scared to go out on the street today after what happened last night and you know very understandably so but like even when we look at the cost of the taxpayer when you see the damage done to the likes of the Lewis to Dublin buses you know the inconveniencing I saw people last night walking out the road because the buses just weren't running trying to get home in the dark last night and no public transport you know all of that collectively has an impact yeah, well, certainly, like, uh, circumstances like that, uh, like, if, if that were the norm, 
Dublin would not be a livable city. Like, let alone it wouldn't be like a functioning capital city or it couldn't be a centre of commerce. It just wouldn't be a place you could live if there was no means of transporting people from, from A to B in any kind of a reliable way. Economically, it's obviously a, a massive blow to the premises that were damaged last night or those that were the subject of um, any arson attacks or any looting because, you know, t- today, the day that we're recording this, is Black Friday. It's supposed to be the unofficial start of the Christmas shopping season. But I imagine that there'll be a lot of traders who basically will be flying on one wing or, or maybe even unable to trade for the weekend because they'll have to try and clean up some of the damage of what was caused on Thursday night. And, you know, in some instances, as we record this on Friday morning, there are shopping outlets that can't even secure their own doors or their own entrances to the premises because they were so badly damaged last night, which means that they can't even allow people in to sell the stuff that is still in, in saleable condition today. So obviously it's, it's a massive disruption as far as that goes. Um, Richard, you, you, you've you been around town this morning. You've seen some of that. What kind of shape is town in? It's um, like, it's quiet. There is a weird eerie atmosphere, to be honest. Um, like a lot of those stores are being repaired today. Foot Locker Shoe, as I mentioned, Arnott's. Um, the Lewis tram, I saw the Lewis, which was burnt out, being sort of moved along the track to try and get it out of the way. The buses effectively two of the buses are effectively stacked on top of each other on the back of a flatbed truck, completely burnt out. And it's worth mentioning again, just in terms of what actually happened last night. The NBRU, which is the union representing transport workers in the country, uh, Dermot O'Leary, who's the general secretary for them, said that the, the that the bus that was on the top of O'Connell Street, the driver of that bus was pulled out. He says uh, for one reason, and that was because he was not white. Um, the back of a bus was spray painted with capital letters the word out Um, the bus driver in question had been punched before others stepped in and this is one thing about Dublin actually which I think needs to be reflected on we have obviously the story of the aftercare of the after school worker who protected the kids the delivery rider Kyle uh, who stepped in as well using his helmet Mm -hmm. as a weapon in the stabbing incident but people did step in when a bus driver was set upon there is, it, 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 I think it's going to become clearer as time goes on. It's going to be a huge relief that nobody was actually uh, very, very seriously injured or killed last night because there was that atmosphere of there was no stopping people. If people listened to the messages, the audio messages which were circulated on Telegram, there was an intent to go out and hurt people and the word kill was used. People were saying, we're going out there to kill foreigners. That, 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 mm. that's, that's what was said last night on social media while these people were organising what they were planning to do. Um, I just, yeah, I, I think there's there's a lot of damage. There's a lot of damage to the, the Lewis line itself. I walked past a traffic light that has been completely melted uh, by the blaze oh, of wow. probably the bus, which was beside it. Uh, like the lights, the colours of the lights were just melted plastic and goo. Um, some of the roads, mm-hmm. like O'Connell Street is in pits now uh, in terms of like just because of the, the fire and the explosions that were on it. Uh, so there's a lot of re-tarmacking needing to happen. There's a good guard of presence around. But some of the the, the shops around the area are, are not going to open at all. Um, 147 Delhi on Parnell Street. Barry, the, the shop owner there, he says the, the shop wasn't, his shop wasn't actually damaged or attacked last night. But his staff feel so unsafe uh, being foreign people in Dublin at this point in time uh, mm-hmm. that they don't feel safe on the street. They don't want to come into work. So he's not opening a shop again until Monday. I just think when we look at this situation and we, we, you know, examine this sort of anti-immigrant sentiment, it's clear that they were looking for any excuse to explode, that this was, you know, what what unfolded yesterday. In many ways, what happened last night 
wasn't even about that. It wasn't even about what happened yesterday afternoon. This is something that clearly Gavin has been bubbling, as you mentioned earlier, under the surface for a really, really long time. But yeah, like it do- this doesn't happen in Ireland. It like it hasn't happened in Ireland to this scale before. N- not of this scale. No, it absolutely hasn't happened of this scale. But but at the same time, I think we need to be careful and, and we can't fall into the trap of, of acting like this is the first time that there's been any egregious mm. displays of violence, particularly motivated by those who have a problem with, with immigration to the country. Like it's only a few months ago since we had basically a, a shelter, something of an informal day centre for asylum seekers burnt out on Sandwith Street. Um, and moreover, of course, this isn't the first time that the far right have shown that they have a problem with how certain amounts of Civic Ireland is run, that there's been so many demonstrations at uh, libraries and the likes. And there's, there's question marks around the policing of that. And, and certainly there's an argument to be made that the hands off approach of trying not to be confrontational um, at some of those other instances in terms of the, the how they were policed has only emboldened a certain movement where they now feel like they can walk the streets uh, with abandon and act like they did last night and instigate the kind of violence that we saw because they haven't really uh, met with any rigour from the law up until now. And uh, I do think, by the way, um, that there there is one thing that's worth reflecting on. I, I don't really know what conclusions to draw of this other than that it's terribly sad. Um, obviously, what we saw on Parnell Square yesterday afternoon is an abhorrent, like, dreadful, dreadful thing. People will have seen maybe the picture of um, a Paw Patrol rucksack being left uh, abandoned on the, the pavement mm. uh, by one of the victims and just, just how tangible and, and how, how much pathos there is in that. But how sad it is that where previously you might have had such a frenzied act of, of horror like that, and the response would usually have been this kind of numbed sense of shock where town might have been quiet or, or semi-abandoned because people were just so saddened by what they'd seen. We are now in an era where the default response doesn't appear to be sadness, it appears to be anger, and where that anger then finds voice and is exhibited in pretty horrendous ways. And I think even though this isn't the first time that we've seen violence, obviously we haven't seen it of this scale before, we do have to sort of grapple with the truth that the toothpaste is out of the tube now and that the next time that there might be, obviously let's hope that there isn't a next time, of course, but that at any future point in which there's an act of violence and people immediately leap to the suspicion that it's from uh, someone, someone from an immigrant community, that we're going to see anger and hostility. We're not going to see sadness and shock. Uh, we're going to see people who are immediately looking to lash out uh, and it's it's dreadfully sad I think that that's just going to be the, the default norm from now on but it's even like, you know just to pick up on a point you made there Gavin about the anger like Richard said earlier on they had to protect the crime scene because these people were going to go in and essentially destroy vital evidence which would definitely hinder the outcome of an investigation into the stabbing you know that people didn't have the the cop on to know that if you really want justice here and if you're really that angry about what happened to those children then maybe don't destroy the crime scene you know what I mean these basic yeah. sort of principles of you know understanding how the system works is just lost on, on some of these rioters you know that they don't see to they're so angry but yet you know the one thing that would get justice in all of this is certainly you know best possible outcome is to preserve a crime scene and, and gather evidence and yet these people are willing to trample all over it Richard mm. I think there's there's an element as well now this isn't uh, this is a working consideration is that there was an intent to actually disrupt the crime scene that it was that this is something that if you look back at uh, Ashling Murphy and Joseph Pushka that um 
there has been conspiracy theory circulated around that and about, well, evidence was destroyed. This is what far-right people have said. Again, completely baseless. No basis, in fact, whatsoever. And there was a feeling among some Gardaí who have been monitoring the far-right that there was an intent to try and get there and just plant stuff and do whatever you want there. They can't prove that for certain, but that is a feeling that they did have. Um, there was absolutely no regard for the Gardaí shown last night. And I think, mm. I mean, there are rightly questions being asked about why didn't you foresee this happening? I remember we talked about this back in May, the softly, softly approach to the far right. Um, that's going to change now. Drew Harris says they're going to review Garda tactics and how they manage these situations. But I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if he knows what that looks like. But speaking to members of the Garda today, whether they be in the, the Garda unions, um, they're they're quite shocked, really, that, about the amount of abuse that happened. I think some people will have seen some of the social media footage of individual like but it's cap the, the footage as well it's captured by the people perpetrating the violence in some instances which is kind of mad like you're filming yourself in a crime spree um like there was guys going around mm. and there was lines of guard cars and guard vans with some of them which had guardies sitting in the front seat just going on and just jumping on the windscreens and battering them saying come out to us uh which is incredibly intimidating and what would actually have happened yeah. if you did open if the guard actually did try and exit the vehicle or if they gained access to the guard vehicle there was an element there now who really could have, like, I, I, this this could have gone another way entirely. I think that is something which people need to get to grips with. I think politicians need to start taking this a lot more seriously as well. I think that there has been so much, um, I, I think there's individual TDs in the doll and groupings in the doll who have uh, not taken this seriously enough and have downplayed the influence of these groups and the hateful, um, you know, message that they carry. And I think this is something we are, as you sort of say, guys, I think we're probably in it for the long haul in terms of this isn't going to go away overnight. This is exactly what they wanted to happen, to have something which was a grand occasion, which is now blasted on the news apps and front pages around the world. Like uh, there's been push notifications from the BBC. If you use, if you, any of you guys actually looked on your news apps, the BBC, the Guardian, New York Times and all that sort of stuff. This is one of those rare Irish news stories which has been covered in big top stories around the world. Um, this is the well, image which is being shown completely. of Ireland today. It is. I mean, at four o'clock yesterday, I had a producer from the BBC ringing me to see if we could do something at half five. Obviously, we had our own news, but they were they were covering this from early yesterday. Ireland was being splashed all over the international headlines for this. I just want to read you really quickly before we go, because I know we're nearly out of time here. I'm sure both of you received similar messages from people last night, but, you know, there was a lady got on to me last night. Her granddaughter had come up from... Uh, I'm actually not sure where they came from. They come to Dublin for the evening to go to a concert in the Three Arena. Anne-Marie was playing in the Three Arena last night. Her granddaughter sent her a text. They were hiding out in a shop and she sent her a text to her grandmother saying, I'm so afraid, Nanny. I'm not used to all of this. People are bleeding and being so angry, fighting with each other, shouting and cursing. I just want to go home now. Do you think we'll be okay, Nanny? That's from a child who was at a concert last night with her mum in the Three Arena who ended up being locked into a shop to avoid the mob. Like, that's just one small example of the terror that was instilled in people in Dublin City Centre yeah. last night. Well, it, it's an example of the total incoherence of the response that we got last night because if people who were... The, the, the evident motivation for a lot of last night being this idea that Ireland is unsafe and that Ireland is partly unsafe because of immigration, I don't know how people think that they are um, defending their country by trashing public property, causing harm to Gardaí, um, you know, disrupting public transport for the law-abiding citizens of the capital and causing teenagers going on a night out to a concert to feel like they're in, in fear of their own safety. Now, I, I just don't know how you could possibly argue that they're, the outcome there 
is in tandem with with what the apparent motivation was which already just goes to prove how incoherent all of this is but then also how difficult it is to try and proactively respond to that when the cause and effect are so far apart from each other can i make a quick point guys before we go just in terms of how this happened online and the responsibility of people online Um, there are a number of accounts which um, effectively they sell themselves as being videos of Dublin and um, of Irish life. And they were calling people out onto the streets last night. But there is one account which has millions and millions and millions and millions of followers, which is needs to be looked at. And I know that the Taunish actually criticised the, the account holder, who is Conor McGregor. Uh, Conor McGregor said with that Ireland is at war uh, yesterday afternoon and evening. Uh, amongst a lot of other tweets, his tweets were circulated widely in far-right groupings. Um, Michal Martin today asked about the comments online. He said some people online are disgraceful and he effectively accused them of essentially inciting hate. Now, this weekend in Dublin, there's a boxing match, of course. Katie Taylor is fighting. Uh, Conor McGregor is a part sponsor of that event. And I think, and I know a lot of sports journalists who look at boxing and its links to you know, various different ideologies, criminal links and whatnot are saying that you know boxing has had too much of a shadow over it to now be associated with conor mcgregor based on what he's done and what he has said last night um, and i think that's something which is probably going to be something it's not the number one factor or thing last night uh, but it's probably something which needs to be looked at as as time goes on and is the influence of online accounts and particularly people like conor mcgregor Okay, well, look, 34 people have been arrested and the investigation into the riots continues. I suspect that number will rise over the coming days and uh, the cleanup operation in the city centre continues. Richard and Gav, thanks for jumping on, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Sarah.